And we'll begin reading in verse number 1. If you're willing and able, let's stand. We'll be reading the God's Word and then we'll have prayer. Psalm 77 and verse number 1. Psalm of Asaph. I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and He gave ear unto me. In the day of my trouble I sought the Lord, my sore ran in the night and ceased not, my soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled, I complained, and my spirit was overwhelmed, Selah. Thou holdest mine eyes waking, I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with my own heart, and my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord cast off forever, and will He be favorable no more? Is His mercy clean gone forever? Doth His promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath He in anger shut up His tender mercies? Selah. And I said, this is my infirmity. Heavenly Father, I thank You for Your Word this morning. Thank You for the portion You've directed our heart to. Thank You, Lord, for the sweet Spirit of God that we sense in this place. And Lord, we give You glory for that and don't take it for granted. Touch this text, touch this psalm, touch this sermon, touch this vessel this morning, and touch everyone that will hear. I pray, God, we'd see no man save Jesus only. I pray, Lord, as I preach to the ears of men and women and boys and girls, God, that you would speak to their hearts. And, Lord, we leave here changed for time and eternity. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. The author of this psalm is a man by the name of Asaph. We understand, according to 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse number 37, verse 7 and verse number 37, that Asaph was a leader of music in the tabernacle for David. David was a caretaker, or Asaph was a caretaker of the ark and of the holy things of God. We could say he was a saved man in our way of thinking. He was a singer. He was a servant. But in this, in this psalm this morning, we find him struggling. Now I remind you, you can be saved and you can sing and shout and you can serve God, but there's going to be times where you'll still struggle from time to time. Verse number 1, we notice cry. He said, I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and He gave ear unto me. I note the desperation of His cry. He said, I cried. The word cried here means to cry out for help, to cry out in distress or need. Notice the direction of His cry. I cried unto God with my voice. Even unto God with my voice. Thank God He's not crying out uh, to anybody else. He's not crying out to David. He's not uh, crying out to any family. But He's crying out to God. I noticed the delight of His cry. And He gave ear unto me. I want to remind you this morning that God did not promise to answer all your prayers. But He did promise to hear all your prayers. Amen. That's His cry in verse 1. His circumstances in verse number 2. The Bible said, In the day of my trouble I sought the Lord. My soul ran in the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. His circumstances involved the daytime. He said, In the day of my trouble I sought the Lord. His trouble involved the dark times. My soul ran in the night and ceased not. 
It's not just daytime trouble he's having. He's having some dark troubles, some nighttime troubles. We notice his disturbance. My soul refused to be comforted. He can't find any comfort. He can't find any solace. He can't find any peace. Notice his complaint in verse 3 and 4. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Selah. Thou holdest mine eyes waking. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. In verse 3 we find he is sorrowful. This is an interesting phrase. He said, I remembered God and was troubled. The word troubled here means to growl. It means to murmur. It means to roar. It means to be stirred, to be in commotion, to be turbulent. Why would he think of God and become troubled? Because God ain't doing things like he thought he should be doing. God is not doing what Asaph thinks God should be doing. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, ain't it good? We, we ain't never been God a day in our life, but we know what God ought to do in every situation and every circumstance. We know how God ought to fix this, how God ought to handle this, and how God ought to solve this in my life. But when He don't do it like I want Him to do it, I get troubled. Amen. You wouldn't be the first. Mary Martha's that way. They said, Lord, if you'd been here, our brother Lazarus wouldn't have died. Amen. John said, are you even the one we're looking for or should we look for another? They were sorrowful. They were troubled. Why? Because God had not... He remembered God. He knew what God has done, but God ain't doing it like that now. And it's bothering him. He's sorrowful. Verse 4, he's sleepless. Thou holdest mine eyes waking. He said, I can't even sleep. Anybody know anything about that in the nighttime? you got so much on your mind and so much on your heart uh, that you can't even slow down long enough to even try to get a little bit of rest. He said, I've got so much trouble. I've got so many problems. I've got so many issues. I can't even sleep at night. And by the way, you can take something to help you sleep, but you can't take nothing to help you rest. There's a difference between sleeping and resting. He's speechless in verse 4. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. You ever been in a spot where somebody said, what's wrong? You'd say, I can't even put it in words. I can't tell you what's wrong because I don't know what's wrong. He said, I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. Notice his concern, verses 5 through 9. He begins to ask them, quick, look at verse 5. I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call remembrance my song in the night. I commune with my own heart. And my spirit made a diligent search. That diligent search me. He said, I got some questions about God. Look at his first question, verse number 7. He questions the faithfulness of God. Will the Lord cast off forever? Is God going to keep putting me off? Is God going to keep ignoring me? He said he heard my prayer, but he ain't done anything about my problem. He hasn't done anything about my circumstance. He hasn't done anything about my issue. Is God even going to be faithful anymore? He questions the favor of God in verse 7. And will he be favorable no more? The word favor here means love, acceptance, pleasure. He said, is God going to have any favor on me anymore? Is God, does God love me anymore? Is that not what he's saying in the text? Will he be favorable no more? He questions the forgiveness of God in verse 8. Is his mercy clean gone forever? Is God's mercy gone? Does he even love me? Will he even forgive my sin anymore? He questions the facts of God in verse 8. Doth His promise fail forevermore? Is everything I've been taught a lie? Is everything I believed all my life just a bunch of religious 
Nothing. Now, if that thought had ever crossed your mind, you're a better man than I am. I'm a God-called preacher, and there's sometimes I wonder, is this thing really real? Don't look at me like that. Somebody said, what kind of preacher are you? I'm an honest one. Yeah, and if you're not honest, you know what you are? You're dishonest. It makes you a liar. And that's a sin. Sometimes I wonder, is this, is this real? Is there a reality in all this? Anybody know what I'm talking about? He questions the forgetfulness of God. Verse 9, have God forgotten to be gracious? He says, has God forgotten to show me grace? He questions the finality of God. Verse 9, has He in anger shut up His tender mercies? Selah. The word selah there is a musical connotation. It means to pause. It means to rest. It means to reflect on what has just been said. We note in verse 10 his conclusion. And I said, this is my infirmity. The word infirmity means weak. It means wounded. It means to be wearied. He says, that's my problem. You want to know what my problem is? That's my problem. God ain't doing what I thought He would do. I, I think God just quit being God. That's what He's saying in these days. All those things that we went through, those are attributes of God. He said, I think God's quit being God. You ever felt like that? You live long enough, you will. You, go, you walk through some deep places, you walk through some dark places, and you'll wonder, is this thing real? Is God real? Is the Bible true? Is everything that I believed all my life, is there any reality to that? This is my infirmity. He's offended at God. He is wounded. He is wearied. And he's, how many of you know this word? He's worried. Anxiety, stress, pressure, concern, worry, whatever you want to call it. All of it is sin. Did you hear what I said? Whatsoever is not a faith is sin. It don't matter if it's my worry, my anxiety, or your worry, your anxiety. That is the opposite of faith. Romans 14, 23. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. This is my infirmity. But I love that verse 10 does not end with this is my infirmity. Aren't you glad God's Word continues? Notice his choice. He's got all these things that are bothering him. All these things that are piling up against him. But he makes a choice in verse 10. But, a conjunction, I will remember. That's a choice. The years of the right hand of the Most High. Amen. Amen. That's his courage. Amen. He said, things are not going right in my life. Things are not going well. Uh, things are not... God's not doing what I thought He should be doing. In fact, it's got to a point I've labored in the house of God. I've served around that Ark of the Covenant. I've sang to God. I've given my life to serve God. And things ain't going like I thought they should. And I don't even know if this thing is real. But here's what I'm going to do. I will remember. I will... I I can't see it now. I can't perceive it now. It's not in front of me right now. But I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. Honey, I want to let you know this morning there's going to be things come in life that's going to shake your faith. That's going to bother your soul. That's going to disturb your spirit. Uh, but may we do like the psalmist did in our text this morning. He said, I will remember. I will. That's what I'm preaching on. I will remember. You know why we have to remember? Because we forget. 
Amen. We have to remember because we're so forgetful. I will remember. The word remember means to record, to recall, to bring to mind. What is he going to remember? Well, he categorizes in verse 11, 12, and 13 as works, wonders, and ways. He said, I'm going to remember his works, I'm going to remember his wonders, and I'm going to remember his ways. Let's look at it this way. First of all, he's going to remember the authority of God in verse 10. And this speaks to the fact that he is controlling. God is in control. Here in verse 10, Asaph is looking up. He said, things around me are looking bad. So when things around are looking bad, I will look up. I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. Notice the past in this verse. He said, I will remember the years. That means He's been around for a while. Amen. God has been around before time and before eternity ever began. There was a God. And aren't you glad He's not changed? He said, Malachi, I am the Lord. And I change not. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. Asa said, my world has turned upside down. I don't know what I'm going to do. But here's one thing I'm going to do. I'm going to remember the years. I'm going to remember all those other years of when God's been there. And God's been faithful. And God's been on the throne. And God's met my need. And God's answered my prayer. And God lifted my burden. And God dried my tears. I will remember the past, the years. I will remember the power, the years of the right hand. I'm sorry to all you Southpaws, but God's right-handed. Amen. Amen. Well, the Lord ain't, Jesus ain't sitting at the left hand of the Father. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. Amen. I will remember the years of the right hand. Throughout the Word of God, that right hand pictures authority and power. One writer said, John Phillips said, when Rachel, the wife of Jacob, is on her way from back from Bethel, she is expecting what we know as Benjamin. And she begins to go in labor. And she has Benjamin. And she dies in childbirth. Here's what she says. She said, call him Benoah, which means son of my sorrow. But Jacob said, no. We're going to call him Benjamin. Son of my right hand. Asaph in this text said, I'm not going to call these years Benoah, the son of Masara, but I'm going to call it Benjamin, the son of my right hand. I'm not going to look at the sorrow I've went through. I'm going to look at the sovereign who is still the God of heaven. I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. Exodus 15:6. the Bible said, Thy right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed the enemy in pieces. Psalm 16:11. Thou wilt show me the path of life, and in thy presence is fullness of joy. And at thy right hand, or amen, are their pleasures forevermore. Amen. If I was left-handed, I'd learn how to be right-handed. If I was you, Psalm 18:35. Thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation, and thy right hand hath 
holding me up, and the gentleness hath made me great. Psalm 98, 1. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song, for He hath done marvelous things. His right hand and His holy arm hath gotten Him the victory. Hey, by the way, God can also work on the left hand, because Job said, I looked on my right hand, couldn't find Him, and on the left hand where He doth work. Amen. God is still working. God is still around. Here's what the psalmist said. I'm going to remember that mighty hand of God. Of the same hand that scooped out the, the rivers. The same hand of that flung the stars into space. Of the same hand of that foreign Adam in the Garden of Eden. I'm going to remember that hand. It is a saving hand. It is a supplying hand. It is a sufficient hand. It is a strong hand. It's the Savior's hand. It's the securing hand. Thank God it's the saved hand. I am secure. I'm going to remember the years of the right hand. That's the, pa- the past, the power. But notice the preeminent, the prominence of the Most High. You see, the past, He's around. The power, He's able. But the prominence, He's all. That Most High is the Hebrew word El Elyon, which means the supreme one, the owner of heaven and earth. Here's Asaph going through the trial. Here's Asaph going through the burden. He don't know what he's going to do. He don't know how he's going to make it through this one. But he said, I'm just going to remember that hand that got me through the last time. I'm going to remember that hand that helped me through the last sorrow. I'm going to remember that hand that got me through the last burden. I'm going to remember that hand that helped me before. Amen. He said, uh, I will remember the authority of God. He's controlling. But number two, I will remember the acts of God. Verses 13 through 19. In the authority, he's saying he's controlling. But in the acts, he's saying he can. In the authority, he's looking up. But in the acts, he's looking back. He said, verse 13, the acts of God in the sanctuary. Look at verse 13. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? The word way means direction, path, or presence. Where does God show up? He shows up in His house. Amen. Aren't you? I want to say, I'm glad I go to a church where the presence of God is not stifled, but He's welcome to move. Amen. And it ain't some charismatic junk. It's a sincere moving of the touch of God. You know why? You know why God moves? Because we make much of this book, amen? And we make much of His Son, Jesus Christ. Oh, how many times have we seen God move in the sanctuary? I'm not talking about when you're laid in the floor barking like a dog, acting like a fool. I ain't talking, I'm talking about when the man of God, whether it's me or some other preacher, got up and he opened up this book and God began to speak and God began to work and God began to touch your need and you wouldn't have made it had you not heard that scripture you wouldn't have made it had you not heard that sermon you wouldn't have made it had you not responded to that truth thank god his way is in the sanctuary he talks about his acts in the sanctuary but he talks about his acts in his strength verse 14 Thou art the God that doest wonders. Thou hast declared thy strength among the people. Amen. Not only does he show his strength, but he talks about his strength. He said he declared it. His strength, he declared his strength among the people. The word wonders here means amazement. This speaks of the miracles and the power of God. 
God has proven His power over and over and over again in our lives. He has declared His strength to His people. His way in the sanctuary, His way in His strength, His way, His acts rather, in salvation. Verse 15, Thou hast with thine arm redeemed thy people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. Selah. This verse refers to God bringing His people out of Egypt in Exodus, in the book of Exodus chapter 12. Exodus 6, 6, the Lord told Moses that He was going to redeem them with a stretched out arm with great judgments. God told Moses, I'm going to get them out of Egypt by using the outstretched arm. Hey, but God's so big, He didn't need both arms. He just needed one, amen, to get them out. Amen. And you know how they survived the night of the death angel? You know how God got them out? It was because of the blood. It's because of the sacrifice. It's because the blood was applied on the outside and the lamb was on the inside. And when the death angel came through that night, they couldn't go to that house. Why? Because the blood had been applied. Who hath believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed. That little word believed. I was looking at it again this morning. That little word believed is the Hebrew word. And you spell it like this. A apostrophe. A-M-A-N. Amon. Amon. Where we get our English word. Amen. Here's what Isaiah said. Who hath amen our report. Hey, who hath believed our report. I have. I'm what I have. I'm what I believe the report. And unto you that believe, He is precious. His acts in the sanctuary, His acts in His strength, His acts in salvation, His acts in the sea. Verse 16 and 19 of our text. The water saw thee, O God. The water saw thee. They were afraid. The depths were also troubled. Verse 19. Thy way is in the sea, and thy path is in the great waters. And my footsteps are not known. That's referring to the night that God parted the Red Sea and made a way for the children of Israel to cross. The Red, I wrote this down this morning, the Red Sea was vast. The Red Sea is 12,000 miles long, 190 miles wide, and 9,974 feet deep, almost two miles deep. God parted that water and congealed the water. It was vast. But you know the Red Sea was a valley? When you think about this, when God parted that water, He didn't raise the ground up. Amen. Just like you walking in a pool, you start in three feet, and you walk down towards the five feet, there's a slope. You're going further down. So God's people that night when they come out of Egypt, they started up high. Things were going good. We got out with the blood of the Lamb. Then they walked through some deep places. And pretty low places. Almost two miles deep low. But they didn't stay there. Because they come out on the other side. The Red Sea was vast. The Red Sea was a valley. But the Red Sea was victory. For when God washed up the Egyptians and they watched God wash their past up on the banks of the Red Sea when He killed the Egyptians. They saw God's axe at the Red Sea. In the sea... In the sanctuary, in the the strength. But how about this? God's acts in the sky. Verse 17 and 18. The clouds poured out water. The sky sent out a sound. Thine arrows also went abroad. The voice of thy thunder was in the heaven. The lightnings lightened the world. and The earth trembled and shook. 
commentators who read behind said that changes context that God's not talking about the night of the Red Sea, but He is in verse 15 or verse 16 and in verse 19. Why was 17 and 18 skipped in a whole other context? That night God put that pillar of cloud, that fire in the sky, and it was, hey man, it was a blessing to the Israelites, but it was a curse to those Egyptians. What was God doing? God was lightning. God was thundering. God was shaking the earth. God was a moving. Why? To get His people out of Egypt land and to prove to them that He was God. Honey, if I, hey, I believe God I can move whatever He needs to move. God can shake whatever He needs to shake. I will remember. I will remember the authority of God. I will remember the acts of God. But last of all, verse 20, I will remember the affection of God. In the authority of God, he learns that God is controlling. And he's looking up. In the acts of God, he learns that God can. And he's looking behind. But in the affection of God, he's learning that God cares. And he's looking ahead. Now watch the claim, Thou lettest thy people. Now, they always didn't act like God's people, especially when they were making calves and dancing around them and acting like a bunch of idolatrous words. They weren't acting like God's people, but they were still His. There's the comparison that I let us thy people like a flock. Psalm 100, Know ye the Lord that He is God. It is He that has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. There's the caretakers by the hand of Moses. And Aaron, I thought that was interesting that he mentions Moses and Aaron. Why Why not Moses and Joshua? You ever thought about that? As far as we can tell, Moses never led the people except the idolatry. Is that not right? He led them in idolatrous worship. But I got to thinking, Moses got them out of Egypt. And Aaron, Aaron... Got him in the holiest of holies. For as Aaron, that priesthood, being the high priest that went in with the blood from behalf of the people, God said, I gave you Moses and Aaron, Moses to get you out, and Aaron to get you in. Hey, Amen. And aren't you glad God just didn't get you out of sin, but you got you into Christ? Hey, man, he did not leave you where he found. He got, he told him in Deuteronomy, I brought you out. That I might bring you in. Amen. Ain't you glad we're coming out and moving in? Praise God. There's the claim, the comparison, the caretakers. But in this affection of God, there is the comfort. And the comfort centers around this little word, lettest. Thou lettest. God led them by the hand of Moses and Aaron. But we would agree that God was leading them because they had the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. Wherever that cloud went, they went. Wherever that, that fiery pillar went, they followed. They, it kept them warm at night. It took, kept them shaded during the day. God took care of them. God led them. John chapter 10, Jesus is preaching a sermon, giving a discourse on the shepherd, on the door. He'll make this statement, John 10 verse 3, To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. He calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice 
of a stranger. Now, let's illustrate this, and I'm going to eat some lasagna. We're eating lasagna today, all right? I need some sheep. I need some sheep. Not goats. I need sheep. Stay right there, Tony, all right? Here's some sheep. Y'all stand up, sheep. Stand up. Stand up. Y'all sheep. All of y'all. Yeah. Stand up. You're a sheep. Can you? What's the sheep say? Okay. <laughs> Close enough. All right. So you know what sheep do? They follow the shepherd. Come on. Follow the shepherd. They got wherever the shepherd goes, the sheep follows. They just go wherever the sheep goes. Y'all are some of the slowest walking sheep I've ever seen in my life. Travis, Tony, y'all get out in the middle of the aisle. Today. <laughs> but you know, sometimes when a shepherd's leading some sheep, there's some things that get in the path. There's some things that get in the way. And Jesus said that the shepherd, he goes before the sheep. It means he's out front. Which means none of this can get to any of them without going through the shepherd first. Why am I going through this? Probably because God warned it to go by him and get to you. Because there's some things, yeah, they need that. And before, before it ever gets to the sheep, the shepherd has to approve it. And there are some things that say, no, no, they don't need that. I don't know about you. Y'all can go sit down, sheep. And goat. I should have had you on the left. That's where the goats are at. <laughs> Why do I have to walk through that? Why do I have to go through that? Probably because the shepherd said, yeah, let's let that come on by. But you know that verse said his footsteps are not known? Verse 19. That's an interesting verse. I mean, God does stuff for us. We don't even see His footprint sometimes. We don't even realize it was Him doing it. But He stopped things from getting us. And we, we never even knew about it. Oh, I wish I had somebody. He, he stopped things from coming that we didn't even know about. Why? All the way my Savior leads me. The songwriter said, What about Aspetai? Should I doubt His tender mercies who through life has been my guide? One day when we get to heaven, I wonder if God in eternity is going to let us see all the things He didn't let, he didn't let get to us. Things that would have took us out. Would have destroyed us. But He didn't let it get to us. Oh, but if He let it get to you, it ain't going to destroy you. Because the shepherd knows what the sheep can handle. That shepherd knows if the water is too rough for the sheep to drink in. That shepherd knows he will scout out that. I ain't trying to preach a message on Psalm 23, but I could. But that shepherd knows he'll go out and scout that field before them sheep go out there and lay down and make sure there ain't no holes, make sure there ain't no uh, rattlesnake dens, any, anything like that. Out, not, They don't have rattlesnakes over there. Not any viper dens, wherever you want to call it. A snake's a snake. I don't care if it's black, rattlesnake, what, a can of, a can of conda. They're all poisonous as far as I'm concerned. Kill them all. But my point is this. He, he scouts that area and makes sure. He makes sure that it's all safe for the sheep. That means there's never been one trial that went in your life that did not go through him first. There's not been one funeral home visit that you've made that didn't go through him first. There's not been one hospital you've went to that didn't go through him first. There's not been one sleepless night that you went through that didn't go through him first. Oh, but how many things 
did we not go through? God said, no, they don't need that right now. And his footsteps wasn't on. But he was doing things for us that we didn't even realize. He was taking care of us and we didn't even see it. When we couldn't comprehend it, he was moving things out of the way. Nope, they don't need that right now. They don't need it. They're not ready for that yet. The devil had to ask God before he even touched Job. He had to get permission. You know what we ought to do this morning? Remember. The psalmist said, this is my infirmity. But I will remember. You know, we're good about having, and I'm, I'm done, I know the kids are getting I'm, I'm hushing. We're good about complaining, ain't we? And we're bad about remembering. Amen. Come on now. Some of y'all remember you first got married. You didn't have nothing. We got married. Nobody else paid our bills for us. I mean, we got married and we started paying our own bills. Somebody help me. I mean, that's just how it was. And I mean, why get married if you can't pay your own way? I mean, amen. And, uh, Oh, wait, don't, don't pay all your kids' bills. They need some help. Help them. But if they can't make it on their own, they don't need to get married. They may have, well, that's another sermon for another time. But I remember time, and I'm, I didn't feel sorry. We were, I remember rolling change so she can get her hair done. See where our priorities were at. <laughs> I remember eating pesticides, not because we liked them, it's because we didn't like ramen noodles. Pesticides had a little bit of flavor. You know why we, you know, it was a dollar. Some of y'all remember that. You know, we just as happy. You know, we, we, we somebody said, we just poor and didn't know it. No, I promise you, we knew it. <laughs> okay, I promise you. We, I don't say how you can be poor and not know it, okay? If you're poor, you know it. All right? That sounds so spiritual. We just poor and didn't know it. That sounds so spiritual. No, that's a lie, okay? How can you be poor and not knowing it? Look in your wallet. There's no money. How can you not know? You're broke. But over and over and over and over and over again. I didn't eat pasta size last night. I ate a pork chop by that thick. I'm saying God's faithful. How many times you've been in hospitals, been in trials, been in difficulties, and you just wonder, are we going to make it through this? Are we going to make it through that? And here you are. I ain't, I ain't stalling. I'm preaching. I've walked in some of your hospital rooms with some of you over these ten years. The ones I thought would die lived. The ones I thought would lived died. And that's how it goes. We can't figure life out sometimes. I'm at wrong patty. We didn't know if you, we didn't think you was gonna make it. Look what God's done. Vonda, Stephanie walked into three. Three hospital rooms within a year, right? All within a year. But look what God's done. We're bad about forgetting, ain't we? This week, God's faithful. God's good, eh? Is He not? Over and over and over again. We didn't think we was going to make it. God's been faithful. God's been good. Mike got diagnosed with cancer, and it's pretty bad. But God gave him two years. 
extra three years. And God didn't have to give us that. Gave us a couple fishing trips where we thought Sherry was going to kill us because Mike fell out there. And I was like, I said, Mike, get up. And I said, Sherry will kill me. She'll never let us go fishing again. But you know what that is? It's remembering. Preacher had all them strokes. We didn't know it. But God was so gracious to let him, the last time he was in church, he was preaching. Wasn't that gracious of God that, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what's a scary thing to, about a, to a preacher. Can I be honest with you? You know, the scariest thing of a preacher, besides falling in sin, is getting to a point where you can't ever preach anymore and you die not being able to preach. God didn't let him do that. God let him preach on Sunday. Last time he was in church, he was in a pulpit. We ought to remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. Amen. Let's stand. I appreciate your attention.